It's been a tradition on Speaking Out to have Auntie Pat Turner give her year in review. Unfortunately, she's been unwell, but luckily she did speak earlier in the year at an event hosted by the Australia-Israel Chamber of Commerce. Education, housing, health justice reform, heritage protection and constitutional recognition remain key areas of concern for First Nations people. As you heard earlier, this federal parliament is our most diverse on record, but how much progress should we expect to be made on First Nations issues. A formidable force within Indigenous affairs, Auntie Pat Turner knows all too well the challenges that lie within the public service. For almost half a century, she's been at the forefront of community efforts to address health and welfare inequalities faced by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Let's hear from Auntie Pat now. Well, I've worked in Aboriginal affairs all my life, so my expectation of the new Labor government is the same as I've held for all governments that have come before and will continue to hold for future governments. My expectations come from my position as lead convener of the Coalition of Peak Organisations and CEO of NACHO. But importantly, they also come from me being an Aboriginal person. Firstly, what I expect is that the government of the day works to protect and support our rights and interests as First Nations peoples and with distinct cultures, languages and connections to land and waters. So I'm hoping that the government is going to be able to work with us in shared decision-making partnership, as has been agreed already, in, um, under the auspices of the National Agreement to Close the Gap which has been signed by the Prime Minister, the Premiers, the Chief Ministers, the President of the Local Government Association, so the old COAG, uh, now National Cabinet, and myself as the elected leader, lead convener of the Coalition of Peak Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community-controlled organisations. We have over 70 of our organisations and the important principles that every government now has to, in my opinion, do, including the Albanese government, is put into practice the four microeconomic changes that are contained in the National Agreement on Closing the Gap. And they are, and everybody should be doing this, whether you're in the corporate sector or whether you're in the NGO sector, or whether you're in the government sector. Shared decision-making in partnerships with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So I say now to all of our people, negotiate. Don't let them come and consult you and then go back and do what they want to do. Negotiate and put your own priorities on the table. The second one is to build and strengthen the Aboriginal community-controlled sector to deliver services to close the gap, because we do it much better than anyone else. We do it more efficiently, more effectively, and we get a better return on our investment, and we employ more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the communities where they live. The third one, the third priority reform, is to transform all mainstream organisations so that they have a culturally safe and respectful relationship in their service delivery and their contact 
with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So you think about that with the police, the hospitals, the justice systems, out-of-home care, you name it. So I had good meetings with uh, uh, Mr Albanese and with Linda, Minister Burney, and they're very supportive and we will work in close partnership. We have the right and we must insist on choosing our own representatives. So, you know, this business of hand-picked um, advisers who will just say yes, minister, no minister, or yes, sir, no, sir, those days are over. It's up to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to decide who they want to represent them. That's what we mean. There was also the Reconciliation Council of Australia and, um, and the Social Justice Commissioner from the Human Rights Commission. So there were three reports uh, that were given and each had really important elements, you know. Now, we didn't step away from the issues related to closing the gap in recognition rights and reform, but it was about the structural reforms which we're still fighting for, like a voice to parliament, like close the gap and give us self-determination and the right to run our own affairs and the resources to run our own affairs because what you've done hasn't worked and we know that we can do it. So the reports thing, and I'll never forgive Paul Keating for that, you know, and that was in the lead-up to 2000, you know, and I had worked for 10 years on the Constitutional Centenary Foundation apart from the 18 months that I spent at Georgetown and, we, you know, so I understand all this constitutional business. Don't worry about that. We all understand it because we've had to deal with it uh, for all our lives. The thing is that he had opportunity with the, you know, 2000 to really do something innovative. And then I remember a journalist who was a renowned journalist from the age rang me when I'd retired and gone back to Alice Springs once or twice, <laughs> and said, hey, Pat, Paul Keating's supporting a treaty. I said, well, pity he didn't do that when he got the social justice mm. package uh, reports. And, uh, you know, but when they come to reflect on it afterwards, they seem to see the sense of these things. What he couldn't handle was the politics of the Native Title Act, which was dirty, nasty, Right? But we stood our ground and we led the way, you know, with the Mining Industry Council and all the other parties. The point is, Keating missed the opportunity. So Liberal and Labor don't make no difference to us, right? What they've got to do is they've got to deliver, full stop. So ultimately, the Commonwealth, you know, can pass legislation that overrides the states and territories. We're trying not to do that. We're trying to make sure that we can bring everybody along at the same time so that we can get over this, um, you know, conflict between Commonwealth and states. And because we're sick and tired of all the grey areas and the buck passing between Commonwealth and states, you know, they need to grow up and they need to cough up in terms of fulfilling their responsibilities. Look at Western Australia. Now, let me just point out Western Australia and all you mob in the mining industry here. 
You've all made billions and billions and billions of dollars off of Aboriginal land. And Western Australia, one of the few governments in this country during the pandemic that came out with a surplus in its budget, you know, in the green, everyone else is bleeding. Money's coming from Aboriginal mining royalties or mining royalties, most of which is extracted from Aboriginal land. And Aboriginal people in WA live in the most appalling conditions today and they do not have the support of the Western Australian government. Now, I'm sick and tired. I mean, I'm 70 in a couple of months, so I'm not going to sit here and be nice about all these governments who've neglected our people for decades. I've been fighting since I was in my 20s, 50 years. You know, it's a long time. I'm glad that these young ones are coming up and that they can take the mantle up. But fair income, you look at the surplus in the Western Australian government and you look at the living conditions of our people in Western Australia, they need to be ashamed of themselves and dip into that surplus and spend it at the community level according to community priorities. Thank you. That's Ani Pat Turner having the last word. She was speaking earlier this year at an event hosted by the Australia-Israel Chamber of Commerce.